0: Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you a couple of days late, but here with you uh, once again. How are you feeling, bud? Uh, I was a little sick
1: uh, last week, and that's why we had a bit of a delay, but I am back
0: for the attack. Awesome, and and very timely at that, as we will be talking about Dawkins' 1987 release, Back for the Attack Uh, In just a few moments. But before we do, uh, a couple of housekeeping matters. Number one, uh, we will be back on schedule uh, next Monday when we release the Shadow Gallery retrospective, which is something that I think we're both looking forward to quite a bit. And I think that we've been listening to a lot of Shadow Gallery on the heels of the the Dockin album. So I I think that's going to be very, very interesting. And number two, we received quite a bit of good feedback from our fourth dimension episode when we covered Stradivarius last week. Uh, so much so that I believe somebody actually decided to release a new album um, to go, uh, you know, to kind of go coincide with our with our release. What, what do you have to say about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, just a couple of
1: days after posting the episode, uh, it was announced that uh, Timo Tolki would be releasing a new uh, a new album under his Avalon banner, which um, has kind of been like his answer to Avantasia, where uh, he just brings in a whole bunch of, uh, of guest vocalists. And um, the lineup for this album is looks incredibly strong. Um, uh, just to name a few, Pelike, who uh, formerly of uh, Damnation Angels, and he does a lot of stuff, uh, you know, solo stuff on his own. Uh, Britney Slays from Unleash the Archers, uh, James Labrie from Dream Theater, Jake E from uh, formerly of Amaranth. Um Who was the band that we were
0: talking about who sounded like Bruce Dickinson? Oh, Rafael Mendes singing for Icon of Sin. Also very, very timely because I think we mentioned that last week as well. Like I said, this album was basically created in response and and very quickly at that in in response to our episode last week. But that's uh, uh, Rafael Mendes out of Brazil. Right.
1: And uh, yeah, so he's going to be on this album as well. And then filling out the rest is... uh, Angra and Rhapsody vocalist Fabio Leone and um, Marina Lataraca, who I've, I've mentioned uh, on the show from Phantom Elite and Exit Eden. Um, she had posted on her Facebook. That's actually how I found out about this. Uh, she was really excited to be a part of this. Um, I really enjoyed the first and the third Timo Tolki Avalon album. I thought the second one was a little bit weaker, but... Um, I thought the first and the third albums were really good so I'm looking forward to uh to hearing his fourth release under the Avalon banner.
0: Yeah, and it's been about 2 years so obviously I'm sure things have had a time to marinate. Um and, and you know, you speak about rock operas, I actually heard something else this week that just blew me away. Um Soulspell, which is a Brazilian band that's kind of like an Avantagea with a bunch of uh, musicians um, not quite the same notoriety, but they they obviously release kind of power metal rock operas in that same vein. They released a cover of the Wake of Magellan song from Sabotage. I think I listen to it every day since it's come out because I thought it was just such an excellent cover that they did. Um, if you haven't had a chance to hear that, and, and I'll post it later this week, exceptionally well done and one of the best covers I've ever heard. And I just uh, they're, they're, they've done a number of covers. They've covered Sonata Artica. They've covered Halloween. Uh, they've covered a bunch of bands, but I thought they just really hit it out of the park with this one.
1: They, yeah, their covers. I mean, their their original stuff is really good, but their covers are really uh, just worth checking out. I especially think their cover of um, Halloween's "We Got the Right" is is one of the coolest cover songs I've I've ever I've ever heard. Just yeah, the, the, they- the the talent involved in that. Um, is just really incredible it's and actually um we did post it um the wake of magellan cover um i'm just i was just scrolling through our facebook page i might have posted it maybe you didn't see it but um i posted it on our page on march 19th but uh oh, nice. yeah, feel free to post it again yeah it's, it's definitely it's definitely
0: worth, uh definitely worth a, a another listen if you if you have if you have heard it and if you haven't do yourself a favor and check that out. One other thing that I, that really kind of hit me this week, uh, the guitar player and um, songwriter extraordinaire uh, from Amorphous, Esa Holopainen, he came out with a, I guess what's going to be a solo album for him under the name Silver Lake. And the song that was released a couple of days ago was called Storm. This uh, was not what I was expecting when I heard that this material was being released Um, it's, it's got a little bit of a different feel, definitely a cleaner feel than some of the amorphous material, but the guy is such a talented songwriter that the song just blew me away. Uh, I'll I'll make a point to posting that as well. Um, his, his new solo material. I, I look forward to the full length album coming out on May 28th, just because he's such a consistently good songwriter that I have no doubt the rest of the album uh, will be fantastic, and I believe that's coming out on Nuclear Blast Records on 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 the 28th of May, like I mentioned.
1: Very good. I, I would definitely be interested in in checking that out. As uh, we've said many times, uh, Amorphous has been one of the most consistent um, bands as far as just um, coming out with one excellent release after another.
0: Yeah, I, I no no question about that. I think you'd be hard pressed to find find the band that's more consistent than than them. Over the last fifteen years or so, which is which is quite a statement. Uh, but with that, let's let's get to the reason why we're here. I I, I had mentioned uh, I guess a little bit in the introduction to 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 the show last week, or uh, when I when I had picked uh, back for the attack. Dockin' to me is a band that I, I can't say that I ever really dove that deep into the back catalog of, but I would still put them as the preeminent hair metal band for me, just because the songs I know, I've always loved. And they're a band that whenever I hear, I never really turn off just because I don't think they have many bad songs in their classic period. Um, but before I get into how I kind of first heard them, was this your first exposure to the band or, or had you heard some of their stuff before?
1: Uh Not a lot, but um the two songs I was very familiar with were uh, In My Dreams, which was from the previous album, Under Lock and Key, and uh, and Kiss of Death, which is the opening track on this album that we're going to talk about. And um, I just remember really liking those two songs but never really listening to much else. I think um, I want to say that um, the, uh, the first track that I mentioned um, in my dreams was part of... An 80s metal like compilation album that I had and that probably would have been my introduction to Dokken. And I think you at some point in time had recommended that I check out the song Kiss of Death, which I ended up really enjoying as well. I, I believe you posted a, a cover version of that, Vandenplas doing a cover of that song? Yeah,
0: so that's that's exactly what my first exposure to the band was. I, you know, going back a ways, I was a huge, huge Vandenplas fan, and I still am t- to this day, and I remember picking up Far Off Grace in 2000. Uh, going way back. And one of the bonus tracks on that disc was a cover of Kiss of Death. It was the last track. And I kind of got the feeling that that song was not really part of the rest of the album, which quite frankly, we should do that in long form because I I have a lot to say about Vanden Plas and Far Off Grace. But that bonus track, I loved. It was just Kind of felt a little bit different than the rest of the album, and after kind of you know kind of going through the booklet and, and doing a little bit of a deep dive, I realized that it was a cover of a band called Dokken, which I had heard of, but I really had never heard up to that point. So uh, I guess somewhere around two thousand and two, I had bought their best of CD. At a store, just because I thought it was time to take a you know a listen to some of the you know bigger hits that they had had, uh, and this, believe it or not, "Kiss of Death" is not on there. But there were 16 tracks, four of which were actually on this album that we're we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, but I'll say it. But from the moment that I heard them, I said to myself, I thought that they were just a little bit better than every other hair band I had ever heard. Um, not to say that I don't love some of those bands or songs by those bands, but I always just appreciated the the, the melodies that they kind of put forth. Um, and they've kind of had a, a tumultuous history uh, throughout the years. But to say that this album, Back for the Attack, is right in the middle of their heyday, I think would be an understatement. This was a, a pretty big album for them. Um, and, and for those not aware, I'll just give a little bit of history the name, the namesake, the band is named after Don Dockin, the vocalist who's been with them since the beginning. Um, Not Doc Dockin. No, no, do not, do not confuse the two uh, (laughs) for sure. Um, You know, and, and with, 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 Don Dockin in in the classic lineup was guitarist George Lynch who gets a lot of the songwriting uh, credits. Jeff Pilsen, the bassist and drummer that goes by the name of Wild Mick um, who's been with them, you know, he was their longtime drummer. He's played with a number of different bands as well. Ted Nugent, uh, Exciter to name uh, another two. And and this classic lineup really did stay together throughout most of the 80s uh, and released classic album after classic album. And the band is kind of Uh, fallen from grace a little bit since then they've uh, broken up they've gotten back together uh but and they actually reunited to do a couple of shows um in the last couple of years um some would question whether or not the vocals are are still there or whether docking can sing like the way he used to you know 30 years ago but what i can say for sure is that at the time this band was really up there with all the other you know, major hair bands, the Motley Crue's, the Poisons, you know, all those bands that were really beginning to hit it in the mid to late 80s, they were right there with them. And this is their fourth release that came out uh, in November of 1987. I guess I'll ask you this. I know that obviously the first track is Kiss of Death, so that wasn't new to you. What jumped out to you as you were listening to this whole album for the first time?
1: Um, uh, before I answer that, I wanted to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, how long did you think Kiss
0: of Death was a Van song? I, I had a g- great question. I had some suspicion right away, but because it just didn't sound like the rest of the album, Far Off Grace, I just never questioned it because I was just so enamored with the album that as soon as Kiss of Death ended, I went right back to the beginning of the album and played it again. I, I just love that disc. And I think that that was kind of their magnum opus. But um I guess going through the, the booklet I quickly realized that it was uh definitely definitely a cover and and, and, and not like you in your experience with back to back when Hammerfall covered that, <laughs> where where I think that you thought it was a Hammerfall song for like fifteen years.
1: Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up. I really had no idea that I really didn't know who Pretty Maids were or why anyone would cover them and I would learn very quickly how uh how that was missing from my from my life but um yeah that's kind of when you were t- talking about that that's what it remi- reminded me of um i uh so my my initial impression of this album was um i was a little bit surprised that it got lumped into the hair metal kind of area because it do- it didn't really remind me of like the poisons and the motley crews of that time it was more um, more of like it reminded me more of like a like a US version of the Scorpions, where it was a little bit more just like straight to the point, hard rock, heavy metal. Not really kind of, it didn't have kind of the cheese factor, I guess, that you get from some of that glam hair metal stuff, which trust me, I, I enjoy quite a bit. Um, but I thought that this kind of had more of a, a more serious tone to it, um, more like we're here to like play our instruments and be musicians and not so much like try to get laid, I guess. Um
0: Oh, so I, was, I think that, they, I think that there was a lot of that, but maybe they were just a little bit, uh, well, they weren't singing horror. about it every yeah. other song. Well, that, well, that's true. I think the lyrics are definitely a little bit different. Um, what I'll say is this, you know, the, I think that I, I definitely hear the scorpions there, right? Like, so, you know, I, I've, I, I i know quite a bit about the scorpions back catalog i've seen them in concert and this definitely is in the same vein as that although i think that a lot of people would say that that mid 80s scorpion stuff is kind of hair metal in and of itself um so it's interesting what i also thought was interesting is that the the album starts with what is by far the heaviest track on the disc and kiss of death is really an outlier on the album because the rest of the the rest of the disc doesn't sound anything like it
1: yeah, I would agree with that. Um, it, it's a little bit more, I, I guess, like, raw. Yeah, yeah, like, I I would tend to agree. I found that, like, it, it kind of was, I, I feel like it's beca- kind of becoming a theme that we bring up, like, not being able to kind of pick one song out from, from the next because it's kind of similar sounding. Um, yeah. So, like, a, like Mr. Scary, like, really popped for me because it was like a, a, a very, I, it almost reminded me of something you'd hear from like a nineties power metal album where you have like this, just kind of this guitar solo instrumental track. Um, I was really kind of surprised to hear something like that on, on an album like this. And it was kind of a nice uh, change, but the rest of the songs like pretty much are kind of had like that kind of just eighties rock song kind of flair. Um, like all very much enjoyable but i feel like in all honesty to me like kiss of death and dream warriors which are the first and last songs were the two that really stuck out the most that felt the most unique and then everything else other than mr scary kind of i I feel like i kind of fell into like a, a a i guess just kind
0: of like the the um that's, that's the sound of the day, I guess. Yeah, I, I totally appreciate that. And it's interesting that you would bring up those two tracks because it really does kind of make the, the, the buns on the sandwich here, if you will. Um. I think that a lot of the bands of this era were kind of guilty of this in the sense that they would release an album. This one's a little bit longer. It's almost 60 minutes, but they would release an album and they would have two or three songs on the album that were just head and shoulders above the rest. And I think that this album, as good as it is suffers from that as well. I I listened to it a bunch. I really, I think I listened to this maybe more than any other album we've discussed because I really wanted to see if over time it was going to, pop for me in terms of being like an all-time classic it didn't but i think that's because i thought that there were four songs in particular that was just head and shoulders above the rest um i do find mr scary to be very very interesting i didn't think it was the best track on the disc i I think it's an interesting track but you, you hit two of them kiss of death and dream warriors which always to me were the two best albums on the on the on the the two best songs on the album that hasn't changed the other two that I would kind of lump in there that really just grabbed me were Night by Night, which I thought was just has a really catchy chorus. And I think that the the biggest surprise for me was Burning Like a Flame. I love that track. And I was not terribly surprised to find out that that was a single for the album. And I, I also knew the track from uh, that Best Of that I had mentioned um, at the outset. But that song, I don't think I ever enjoyed as much as I did this this go-round, um, because when I got the best of disc, it really just got lost in the shuffle, but when it was on this album, kind of just in the middle of the album, it really popped for me.
1: Yeah, that's cool, I, I, I actually really liked, um, So Many Tears, I thought that was a really catchy tune, um, I mean, all the songs are really good, um, but, like, yeah, like you said, same with me, I I wasn't, I couldn't, I didn't really see it as, like, an all-time classic album, but, um, I mean it it blew away the Anthrax album for me. So 1987 has been redeemed. Oh, that that um, was my main goal. So I least I, re- but I accomplished I re- that. I, I, but like I just really enjoyed the the whole experience. The album was a lot meatier than I thought it was going to be as far as length goes. Um Yeah, if for know, an like album for, that came out
0: in 87, yeah, I thought it, it was going to be like 40 minutes.
1: Right. I was expecting like, you know, your your four tracks on each side of the vinyl and, you know, 35 to 45 minutes and this thing's a good hour long it's and it doesn't i don't think that it drags like um it's it's really well paced um i i I enjoyed it quite a bit i mean i i have to say like some of the songs i might not be able to like pick out of a lineup with all of them (laughs) listed together but i definitely agree with the one the four that you mentioned um I I really like. I thought this was very solid and um, much like um, you know, Killers was listening to Killers was was a, an eye opener, or an ear opener, if you will, for me. Uh, this was too, and I would definitely uh, be interested in hearing you know more of um, what Doc and did because, I, I, like I said, beyond this album, I don't really know very much. So
0: I, I would agree, and what I would say is that towards the second half of the album. There was a run of songs that I thought were a little bit pedestrian, not bad. I don't want to mistake pedestrian for bad. It's just that it, they don't pop like some of the other songs. I'm talking about lost behind the wall, stop fighting love, um, cry of the gypsy, sleepless night. There was really those four tracks. I don't love. They're fine. I listen to them. I certainly enjoy them for what they are, but I thought that the other songs were, were definitely a step up, but the, but then it ends with arguably their best track off the album um, and and one of the most popular. Dream Warriors was actually released as the first single from the album and it was the title track to uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. And to be honest with you, if you've never seen the Dream Warriors music video, you're doing yourself a disservice. It's one of the best music videos ever because they splice in parts of the movie with The band, which I thought was just really, really well done for the time. And admittedly, I'm not a big horror movie guy, but I appreciate having seen some of those movies and having obviously knowing that song. It's a real uh, nice mesh of the two. And I'll definitely post that as well, just because it's something that people should see.
1: Yeah. And it's not terribly surprising just because you know, you're talking about the heyday of MTV and music videos really being an art form. Um, and I think that with like, you know, uh, what was the, uh, headbangers ball on MTV, you know, you have this, this display for, um, you know, metal bands to really show their, their music videos. And while, you know, man award decided to give us throw your speakers or throw your sneakers, blow <laughs> your speakers. Um, you know, we were also blessed with, you know, the Halloween video by Halloween and, 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 you know, like you said, Dream Warriors uh, from Dokken. I mean, this was just such a, a great time for music videos, like the, the, the mid to late 80s. You know, I, 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 it's, it probably sounds so foreign to tell somebody who was born, you know, after like 1995 that MTV actually just played music videos for most of the day. They did. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, I'm old enough to remember it, and I'm I'm not that much older than you. So yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I I remember, like, as a kid, we had cable as far back as I can remember, and I was I loved music videos when I was even when I was just five or six years old. I just loved just that art form of I, I could remember watching you know seeing Weird Al videos, um, and and Michael Jackson videos and um, stuff that I remember even that young. Um, so yeah, this was definitely, I, I have to see this Dream Warriors video because I have not seen it. But you know how I am about music videos. So. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, you, you are going to love it. Just knowing, knowing your appreciation for, for, for this kind of stuff, you you are going to absolutely love it. Um, I'll just give a couple of more interesting tidbits. I've never seen the band live. I have, though, seen George Lynch, the guitar player, live. I went to an Yngwie Malmsteen concert back in 2004. This was probably... Oh, it, was, it was springtime, two thousand and four. It's probably about seventeen years ago. Right now, uh, he played a show uh, with George. Malcine plays with George Lynch, who opens the show. And obviously, uh, he played some of his Lynch Mob stuff, but he also played a bunch of Dawkins songs. So I got to hear. Uh, Mr. Scary and Kiss of Death Live as part of the set, and it was really, really awesome. And what struck out, uh, really stuck out to me was his guitar is like – or at least one of the guitars that he used was like this skeleton thing. I have no idea how he got this custom-made guitar, but if you've never seen the skeleton guitar, uh, go out of your way to check out a picture of this thing. It's one of the coolest-looking guitars I've ever seen. I'm not so sure that it makes him any more proficient to, as a result of playing it, but he certainly uh, is is a gifted guitar player, and this thing was just really something to behold when you when you saw it live.
1: Well, uh, you probably—I don't think I've ever told you this story, but I've actually seen Wild Mick live, and get out of here. He, yeah, he—it was at um, it was at the Meadowlands Arena, and he jumped off the steel cage and elbow <laughs> Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Uh, in the opening match at SummerSlam 97. So that was my experience seeing wild Mick Foley
0: live in person. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. I, 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 um, I was not there for that, although I think I probably enjoy that more than the drumming on the album because it is a little, uh, it, it, I, I would say this of, of the entire stuff on the album. I, I think you'd agree that drumming is the one thing that really just doesn't kind of stand out to you. Um, Another thing I love, that I don't know if the, you you appreciate this as much as I did, but the, the, the backing vocals are awesome. And the fact that they can do some of those harmonies are, are just, it, again, another thing that separates them from some of the other bands at the time.
1: I, I think this the vocals in general are really strong on this album. I I, I, I You had mentioned that maybe his vocals haven't stood the test of time, but... Um, Listening to like the studio album from 1987,
0: I, the dude's got pipes, or at least he used to. Um, oh yeah, I mean he was widely regarded as as one of the uh, one of the best uh, one of the best of of the era. Give me your track of the week.
1: Oh, Dream Warriors, hands down. What an awesome song that is. Um, I can't believe I wasn't really aware of it until now, but um, like that's gonna be one of those songs that if I ever like hear it on any of the metal stations on, on the satellite radio. Like I will definitely like pump up the volume. What a, what a kick-ass song.
0: hard for me to argue that's that is that is a fantastic song um a couple of other notes i just think that are definitely worth mentioning uh as i said dream warriors was the first single it came out that it actually charted at number 22 uh prisoner which i was surprised was a single because it wasn't my favorite song on the album but it, it came in at number 37 burning like a flame at number 20 um and then uh the album itself was uh went platinum on January 14th of 1988, which is pretty remarkable when you consider it's just, you know, bands at this time were kind of just churning out recordings every single year or every other year. Uh, and this was just a, a long line of, of successful albums for them. Metal rules had ranked this the number 12 glam metal album of all time. I can totally see that uh, or being up there at least just because it is good. It is good. And there's really no bad songs on the album. It's just, I don't think it's the perfect album, um, but for me, if I, you know, it's easy for me to say "Kiss of Death" is my song of the week, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with "Burning Like a Flame" just because I loved it so much this time around, and it's just something that I never paid much mind to in the past.
1: That's, uh, that's 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 uh, interesting. I was wondering if this was going to be the week where we had uh, a matching song of the week, but uh, I guess we we carry on with uh, different Being choices. Different. Yeah, yeah but, uh,
0: Dream Warriors is an excellent choice for sure. And, and like I said, the video is is if we're doing the video of the week, no question. <laughs> but but I got more enjoyment out of Burning Like a Flame because I don't think I ever enjoyed it as much in the past, whereas dream warriors, I kind of just knew it was awesome. So it was not even a much of a surprise for me. So I think that definitely had a lot to do with it. Uh, and, and just one other thing that I think is worth mentioning, the producer on this album uh, was Neil Kernan. And if you're not familiar with his work, you probably are. And just don't realize it. The guy has worked with more bands since 1975 than just about any producer on the planet. And when I say that I'm talking about Neil Diamond uh, Hall and Oates, Yes, Cannibal Corpse, Nevermore, Peter Gabriel, Nile, The Scorpions, Queensryche. I mean, he is all over the map and he's doing it for all these different genres. Ocker and cock. ironically, what? Ockercock. Oh, yeah. I mean, how could, how <laughs> could I forget that? Uh and, of, and interestingly enough, and I think this is a perfect segue to next week, he also mixed Shadow Gallery's Legacy album. Oh, well that i did not know that that's, i had a feeling you wouldn't and that's, that's why cool. i wanted to bring it up the guy the guy and he's still going strong it's just uh, his 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 writing or i should say his producing and, and and mixing credits are 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 way too many to announce and he's and he's obviously very good at what he does because he's worked with some fantastic artists uh over the decades and i uh, will talk about his work uh, again next week um what are you ranking this album on a scale of one to ten uh this one
1: is a it's a strong 7.5 for me i i enjoyed it uh quite a bit I, I don't know if i would put it in like that upper echelon of um of some of the the eights or the nines um but um like definitely something i would not turn off or or um i would definitely not mind like listening to the whole the whole 13 track album again um just really solid, like uh, uh, definitely better than I expected. And it really kind of makes me want to dig more into this era of, um, of, of music and metal in the, uh, in the eighties, just because um, it's just not something I'm, I'm not as familiar with, you know, songs by, by rat and, 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 you know, um, Motley crew beyond like the radio hits, like it would be, you know it makes me want to kind of dig into to some of the more um, I guess just some of the songs that seem a little bit less goofy and cheesy and and you know made for MTV music videos and stuff that that's a little bit more I don't know I guess I don't know if serious is the right way of putting it but um more mature I guess because um, sure. this this was I mean you just kind of hear docking. A same way I like I, I hear you know Rat and I just think, you know, um uh here's another you know Motley Crue, another poison, but after listening to the album, I don't I don't think that's the case. Um, at least not anymore. So it'd be interesting to hear other uh albums from that time. And, and as much as I, I didn't love the anthrax album, it, it it's a good uh it's a good like comparison um, because it came out in the same year just to hear what another metal band was doing at the exact same time. Something that, you know, it, somebody that's not really into metal might just say like, oh, it's the same thing you know, meanwhile, you know, they sound
0: completely different. Yeah,
1: yeah. We, we would say that they, they might
0: as well be different genres. Um, oh, they are, I mean, they, they, for all intents and purposes, if you want to really dig, dig deep. I'll say this, and maybe we'll cover, maybe we'll do some more of these types of albums as we go forward, you know, over time. But it's one of those I, I had it on when I was working a lot of the time, and I found myself like kind of just singing along or nodding my head because it was just enjoyable and like almost like an easy listen. And something, and again, I'm you know I, I love my prog metal, but at the same time, sometimes you just want something that's a little bit more digestible, and that this this gives it to you.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. This is uh, it's something that. Um, I think would be like, great to listen to like in the car while you're driving. Um I kept wanting to play it in the car. And every time I pulled out my phone, I was like, I never put the damn album on my phone. <laughs> so oh, wow. uh, I just kept forgetting or whatever. So um I was like this is going to be great. I'm going
0: to listen to this in the car and yeah, I never did. So, well, something to look forward to, especially with the warmer weather coming up. Uh, but just to 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 go full circle, it's a 7.5 for me as well. I, I just thought it was a very, very enjoyable listen and something that I'll probably go back to in due time. And one other thing, did you ever see the movie Rockstar? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I mean it's it's cheesy and it is what it is, but I I remember loving it when I first saw it and and just because of, you know, being into the music and stuff like that a little little factoid for you the bassist on this particular album Jeff Pilson is the bass player in Steel Dragon the in the movie Rockstar so i thought you'd get a kick out of that the, like the musician or the actor the musician the musician but i think you know that's a great question i i, I know that he does, when, when, when he's playing when he's playing bass it's Jeff Pilson i don't think he's acting as well but i could be wrong okay cuz
1: i know that like Jeff Scott Soto did the vocals, of- but he's not actually in the movie.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. He's, he's he plays bass on the album, although he may be in the movie as well. Now, now you have me questioning it as well. But I'll I'll, I'll say this: he definitely appears in the movie as the bassist, although okay. I know that Soto doesn't. But I, I thought that was a nice little uh a bow on this episode because I I, I did think that you had seen it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's actually a really fun movie. I uh, my friend Jay um was like, oh my god, you have to watch this movie. So, uh, he was the one who
0: played it for me. And I definitely enjoyed it quite a bit. Nice. Uh, and with that, we'll put a, we'll put a bow on the episode this week. As, as I mentioned at the outset, we're going to come back next week with the shadow gallery career retrospective, which is going to be a lot of fun. I, um, I'll just say one thing about that. I was surprised at how much of their stuff I just remembered. And then there was one album, which I'm sure we'll talk about, which I have no recollection of whatsoever. And I just, it's like, I, I was almost like comatose. I couldn't believe that. I just, it was an album that I played a lot and I just have no memory of it whatsoever. Yeah.
1: I'm looking forward to uh, like kind of side by side talking about the history of the band, but also the history of our consumption of the bands uh, of music. And um, I think that um, it's, there's just going to be a lot of things to, to talk about. So I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that and save it all for, for the next week's episode. But um, the more I've uh, I've been spending the last three weeks now kind of reacquainting myself and I have to say some of it does not need to be reacquainted. Um, yeah. Some of it does, uh, but um, I, I get more and more excited about our, our, our upcoming discussion and, and um, uh, it's, they're probably not one of the more popular bands that, that we've discussed um, comparatively speaking, but uh I will
0: enjoy it if nothing else, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many people are going to like really um, want to listen to two people talk about Shadow Gallery
0: for two well, we did hours. We have multiple but... requests, so to be fair, there's people out there that want it because we had multiple re- multiple requests for this band. All right, so at least two people will listen to this, <laughs> this episode, but I. On that note, we will get to uh, the other requests that we have. In fact, we may even get to them, some of them, sooner rather than later. And uh, after we finish Shadow Gallery, I look forward to hearing your pick for the following week.
1: Yeah, I got I got nervous um, like halfway through this episode. I was like, "Oh crap! I didn't pick something for next week." And I'm like, "Oh wait, um, I have an extra week to think about it." So um, I expect it to be extra good then. Yeah, uh, it's, I, I was thinking about maybe doing anthrax again. So,
0: well, maybe maybe it'll be more palatable this time. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll say this: uh, we we really appreciate the feedback. It's been coming in uh, pretty pretty steadily at this point, and we thank you for that. We ask uh, that if you have anything else to say, reach out to us. If you have any requests, definitely let us know because we are we are keeping tabs of that, and we will get to them all in, in the not so distant future and uh you know leave us a review if we think uh it, it really does help other people find the show so we appreciate that
1: right and as we have mentioned before if you if you leave us a review and you want to hear us uh discuss an album your your request will probably get fast-tracked so um keep that in mind as a little bit of uh a little bit of uh what do you call it incentive incentive yeah to uh to leave uh a review because last i checked i think we only have one on itunes so far yeah so uh
0: uh, we we know you're listening but for some reason uh we we don't we we don't know uh we don't know much more than that other than the fact that you are listening so thank you for that and uh we will come back with some shadow gallery next week i hope you're feeling better and we'll uh talk soon all right thanks buddy i'll talk to you next week